0: Thanks for tuning in to the IGM podcast. We're so glad you've decided to explore God's word with us. We look forward to connecting with you in email at info at or online at our website, www.integritygm.com. We hope this podcast encourages you to grow in the knowledge of God through his word. Be blessed.
1: Greetings, everyone, in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. uh, We're coming to you today in the office with just Joy and I. This is a new guest that we have on the podcast, and Joy is a good friend of mine. We first met when I was substitute teaching at a Christian school where she works. She's a second grade teacher. And then about two years later, we moved back to the U.S. to help care for my parents, and I saw Joy at church. It took us maybe five or 10 minutes to figure out, how do we know each other? You look really familiar. And finally, we realized it was that connection at the school. And then this past year, I was able to sub at the school again and see each other. And also, Joy comes to our Tuesday and Thursday night Bible studies. And we've really enjoyed getting to know each other on a spiritual level. And we also take our group on lots of hikes. And yeah, we've had long walks and talks. And it was from really those hikes that I I thought Joy needs to share her story with the listeners of the IGM podcast because it's a great testimony of God's faithfulness in her family from a childhood all the way through adulthood. And so, Joy, welcome today. Thank you. And I'm glad you are here. And I thought maybe it would be beneficial to start with your childhood. Joy has a unique story about her parents and the call of God upon their lives.
2: Uh, well, I was born in Florida, and we lived there for um, several years. I was saved at the age of five attending our local church. It was a Sunday morning, and in kids' church, I realized that, that I was a sinner and that I needed a Savior. And when I got home after church, I just talked to my parents more about that and committed my life to the Lord at a very young age. I remember after that uh, was one Sunday night. We were in church, and there was no kids' church, so we were in big church with Mom and Dad and um, we were worshiping the Lord and praising, and I remember I had my hands raised, and uh, suddenly I just, my, I just began to cry. I wasn't sad, and my dad bent over and said, Why are you crying? And I said, I don't know, and I, I'm happy. And he said, You feel the presence of the Lord. So my walk with the Lord started at a very young age and um, I knew that he was real and loved me and I wanted to serve him. And it was not long after that where my parents felt God calling them to the mission field in Mexico. During their time at one of the language schools, we were attending another church and I was in kids' church again, and I I really do not remember what the message was about that day in kids' church, but I remember that all the kids were kneeling and praying after the service. I was just praying in my little seven-year-old language, just pouring my heart out to the Lord, and um, suddenly I wasn't speaking in English anymore, a language that I did not understand and I didn't know what was going on, but it was my prayer language and I would speak for a little bit in, in that other language and then I felt myself just saying the word yield. And I didn't understand what that word meant either. I said that several times and when I got out to the car after church, I said, What does yield mean? And my mom said, Well, you know, like the traffic sign and I didn't know what the, I just, I didn't tell anybody about what had happened that day. It just kinda tucked it away in my memory, but I knew that it was a sweet time of communion with the Lord and that God knew me and he wanted a relationship with me and he was doing something in my life. Well, that feeling ended pretty quickly because we got to Mexico and <laughs> and it was very, very different.
1: Can you give a little backstory how you ended up in Mexico?
2: Well, That's where my my parents, God had called them to be missionaries in Mexico. They went to language school, learned how to speak Spanish. I did not learn how to speak Spanish. I was going to regular school and was in second grade. And um, the first place where the Lord took us in Mexico was to an orphanage. We lived in a small house in Mexico at an orphanage. I just remember the first, we got there late at night and we woke up the next morning and the children from the orphanage, the main orphanage dorms had all come over to our front porch. They were there. And my mom and dad said to my my sister, Carol, and I go outside and see the see the children. And so we went outside and just like us, they were a swarm around us all of a sudden (laughs) wanting to touch our hair and chattering away in Spanish, which we did not understand a word of. So we had come from the lush green that Florida is to this part of Mexico that's completely desert. And it just seemed so, so barren. There was dust everywhere. There were no indoor plumbing, so we quickly got accustomed to outhouses, which was a whole other thing. <laughs> um, the, anyway, it was...
1: Well, God did tell you to yield, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: what I Yeah, I still didn't understand that. But it just really made me think or question that experience that I had had with the Lord, of feeling so close to him and so like he loved me and knowing that I was on his radar, even at that young age of five and six and seven, and then feeling so alone in Mexico. I just, it was always a struggle to speak the language, to understand. I mean, they say children learn the languages faster, just throw them in there and let them go. And I didn't, find it to be that way for me it was a struggle and I felt very lonely did
1: you feel like your siblings were adjusting more quickly or were you all feeling this
2: I think I maybe felt it harder than they did my two younger sisters played together so well Mm -hmm. they just they could make their own fun wherever they were, they just had imaginative play. And they, you know, they were always together. And I'm ashamed to admit it. I know it was pride. Now, I didn't want to try to say anything in Spanish unless I knew that it was correct. Okay. I wanted it to be correct before it came out of my mouth. And so I always felt myself struggling. I would want to say something and then realize halfway, th- I would translated in my head ahead of time to make mm-hmm. sure I could get through a sentence. And there was always a word I didn't know how to say or something that I wanted to communicate and felt like I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just led to feelings of being very lonely. I was, I was upset with the Lord at that point and thought, Lord, why did you drop me here? I felt so close to you. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like you're, you're nowhere.
1: I'm sure you're not the only child of missionaries that has felt that way.
2: <laughs> um the the little church where my parents worked was a tiny little building in a tiny little community called Sausal right on the border of the Rio Grande River and it had that church had seen so many American so-called missionaries who had come before and tried to work there. Um thought that the Lord wanted them to be a missionary and they'd stay for a little bit, make friends with the people, build relationships, and then leave. And I remember hearing my dad say being at that church was like starting with less than zero Hmm. because they already had a preconceived notion about Mm -hmm. how Americans would be, but we were there, we were faithful and and the work began to grow. The church began to grow. We did a lot of street ministry, just walking, walking the streets and inviting people to church. But it was, it was hard for me. And I, I resented being there a lot. I did not have a good attitude. I was eight, nine years old and I was, I was quite bitter inside. I never told anybody how I felt, Mm -hmm. but I really felt like God had let me down. When, People would miss church or for one reason or another not be there. My parents would visit, so every Thursday was visitation day. And my sisters and I would go along, and they had each other, and they would play and have a great time together. And I had my books, and I I would read. But I would also listen to the conversations that were happening. They would say, you know, we missed you in church. You haven't been there for a week or two. And sometimes it was sickness or another issue and we would pray with them about that. But so many times I heard people say, well, I was at church and -and so-and-so offended me. And if that's the way Christians are, then I don't want anything to do with church. And it started making me think, I never want to be the reason Mm -hmm. that somebody would say, I'm giving up on my relationship with the Lord. And so the Lord started dealing with me about my attitude. I began to understand what yield meant a little bit better. And I tried to, you know, to um, to be a good missionary kid <laughs> and um, and to have a good attitude, but I still was resentful inside and got to be a teenager and still was struggling with that, but was doing okay. Loved the Lord and wanted to serve Him, but just really felt lonely a lot and wondered why, why, why would God pick this life for mm-hmm. me? We we went to a youth camp. Up in the mountains, the message that was preached that night was, it just pierced me right to the heart. It just shed a lot of light on things inside of me that were wrong, attitudes and feelings that they were just wrong. I was just a sinner in need of saving grace. And at the end of that service, I went forward and knelt at the altar with a whole bunch of other, hundreds of other kids that were up there praying. I was just there that night to do business with God. And just let him clean the the nasty attitudes out of my heart. Mm-hmm. And I knelt down to pray, and I was just ready to just pour my heart out to God. And my dad came and whispered in my ear, Joy, um, I need you to go pray with Sessie. She needs the Lord to do a work in her life. And I wanted to say, I'm here because <laughs> I need God to do a work in my life. Yeah but I didn't. I got up. I went and found Ceci, and when I began to pray for her, the Lord just flooded into my life in a a miraculous way. I knew he was real. I knew I was on his radar, and I hadn't felt that for a long time, and um, I rededicated my life to the Lord, I never really had wandered away from him, but I began to understand what yield meant and that a life of relationship with the Lord was a life walking in surrender to him and whatever he wanted.
1: Mm -hmm. I think, you know, watching my own children, you go from being a child of, even a child of a Christian worker to a Christian that's working for God, and that happens at some point in a child's life, And so, like you said, it wasn't that you weren't a believer, that you hadn't given your heart to God, but it's just that step of maturity and coming into your own as a believer, a discipled, mature believer.
2: Yes, yes, indeed. When I was 15, my dad asked me to teach a Sunday school class for three and four year olds. I again questioned, I said, what if I, what if I'm in the middle of teaching and there are words that I want to say in Spanish and I can't think <laughs> of how to say them? He's like, Joy, there are three and four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make it work. Um, So I I felt hesitant to do that, but I told him that I would accept that class and teach Sunday school for three and four-year-olds, and the room that we were in was tiny, and the plaster was falling off of the walls, but they loved it, and what I discovered teaching three and four-year-olds is that God had called me to be a teacher, and two years ago, we were back. We went back to that same place, to the same church, and that room is still there. And I walked into that tiny little room and thought, Lord, this is the place, this is the room where you you called me to work as a teacher for my calling in ministry. Yeah.
1: And I can testify that Joy is an amazing teacher. (laughs) I've been in her classroom, watched her teach, graded her kids' papers, and got to sub for them at the end of the school year this year. And wow, they were just lovely, well-behaved studious, all the things that you would want to see in a classroom led by a fantastic teacher.
2: That's all glory to the Lord. I know that He just put that gift in my life. Of course, I studied and have my teaching degree, but they don't teach you in college how to jump over a student's mental hurdles. The mm. Lord brings those, those ideas into my mind daily, daily. Uh, moment by moment as as needed. And every time he does, I just know that's just the Lord. That's yeah. the Lord doing that.
1: Yeah. Well, if you don't mind, I think we'll transition just for the sake of time. Sure. That was a beautiful testimony of God's grace upon your life. And just going into your married life and having children and Joy experience something quite young in her life that I would like for her to share a little bit about her personal life as well.
2: Well, I met my husband in Bible college, and we were married in 92. We had two children, and we were married for 25 years. We had a lot of struggles. He was a police officer, and so that brought a lot, of, a lot of hard things into our marriage and into our lives. But the Lord was faithful through all of that. He had a lot of health issues towards the end. He had a heart attack on duty one day and didn't ever fully recover from that. And two years later, he passed away. But I can testify that the Lord is faithful. He has let us know in many ways that he is with us and is, is guiding us. After my husband passed away, I had a journal that I was writing in. And it seemed like there were so many things that needed to be accomplished, just legal things and spiritual things and things with my children, and I just started making a list of the day that I wrote it down. And then I put three little lines beside it to indicate a space where I would write the date when he answered that prayer. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that all of those dates have been filled in. Mm -hmm. Um, The Lord answered every single one of those prayers that seemed just so huge after the death of my husband and just the many things that needed to be sorted out and only waiting on one. And that's a, it's a spiritual request. So that's, just gonna have to be answered in the Lord's mm. own timing. Yeah, um, but He has been a faithful and wonderful, merciful God, and I'm so thankful that He desires that personal walk with each of us.
1: You know, Joy, I've met a lot of people through my life, and people that carry grief. And you you see them struggling to come to the other side of that grief. And I remember, I think I might have told this on another podcast, but my husband used to go with his dad every Thursday. Funny that your parents also visited on a Thursday, but he would go every Thursday to all the hospital visits. His father pastored a large church in Memphis, and there was a lot of elderly because it was an older church, and so a lot of needs, uh, shut-ins and people in the hospital. So his father took that whole day, never went to the office, left home early in the morning, and sometimes didn't come back till late at night and just went from person to person. He had someone on staff that did this regularly, but he went, especially the critical cases. And so in the summer, he would take Scott with them. And I had asked Scott, you know, what was that like? And he said, the hardest part was that I saw strong believers, people who taught Sunday school, that were so bitter Mm. in their suffering. Mm -hmm. And then I saw people who were on the edge of death, so rejoicing. Mm -hmm. And when I have interaction with you, I just see a person that is confident in her relationship with God has an abiding joy, it doesn't mean you don't ever have sorrow, and your name is Joy, so that's no coincidence. (laughs) No, but you do, you have an abiding joy, your life is about others, it's not about yourself. And so I'm just wondering what you can share, maybe that would help someone that's struggling, they feel stuck in that grief, and you know, it can become like a cloud over your life.
2: Yeah, yeah, it really can. My life verse, I guess the verse that speaks most directly to my own personal struggles is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. There are so many times in my teen years, my childhood, my married years, my years since my husband has died, where that just, that trust in the Lord with all your heart. No piece of you cannot trust him and then expect to have peace. Mm -hmm. So I just, I keep playing that verse over in my mind and make sure that I ask the Lord, if there's any part of me that is not trusting you, show me what that is. Let's root it out. And I give it to you. I yield it to you. I want to trust you with all my heart. The other part of that verse is lean not on your own understanding. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of a control freak. I I want to control and plan and be wise about everything and, you know, spend money wisely and be wise with my time. So my very strong tendency is to lean on my own understanding. But the second part of that verse says not to, not to lean on my own understanding. So I Ask the Lord continually to help me balance out. I know, Lord, that you've given me gifts that you want me to use, but not to do it without consulting you. Right. And so trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And then in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Mm-hmm. So I just I try to to let the words of Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 kind of be my daily step-by-step, hour-by-hour, sometimes minute-by-minute minute go-to because, you know, the, sometimes the tug of life is hard and it would pull you away. But that verse, along with many others in Scripture, but but that one kind of yeah. helps me stay on track.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. And, you know, I, I used to keep a journal like that through our years in India where I would write prayer needs and then I would date the answer and i remember more powerful than writing them down and praying for him was rereading the answered prayers and so part of that acknowledging him is not to forget what he's done in the past and I think of that game, the Americans play this game called the trust game and you put your arms out and you have your back to a friend and you have to fall hoping that they will catch you and it better be a really good friend. I think Scott and his brother one time did that game and his brother didn't catch him on purpose oh, no. <laughs> and he landed on the ground. So I don't know if a childhood brother is the greatest person to play that game with, but we play this game and it is kind of... Of there's a blindness mm-hmm. to to this trust yeah. in the Lord, but I feel like I can see His faithfulness the more He's faithful. Yeah. And you told me one time about your parents left for Mexico, really just with their home church supporting them, yes, right?
2: That's all. Yes,
1: and they've all their needs have been met their through the years. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. just amazing. And so little things like that and those answered prayers. Are the foundation for making that trust less blind and built on more confidence. And that's what I see in your life. So I would just encourage our listeners if you're struggling to get on that other side, just write down the things that God has done in your life and build that foundation of trust. And then remember to acknowledge Him, and that it's not always based on your understanding, like Joy said, Mm -hmm. but you just have to say, okay, God, you've been faithful before, you'll be faithful again, and I'm putting my trust in you, and I'm not going to live in this doubt, fear, and grief that's can be debilitating but it takes practice and it takes a lot of work it like does. you said sometimes minute by minute yes, hour sometimes. by hour yes yeah so let's close in prayer and joy if you wouldn't mind to maybe pray for women that are going through the grief of widowhood asking the Lord to minister to them today
2: okay Heavenly Father, we come to you just with grateful hearts that you have invited us to approach your throne of grace that you are touched with our feelings and that you walk with us through every moment of things that are range from the uncomfortable all the way to the things that we think we won't live through but you're there you're there with us and your word says that it's true the comfort of your holy spirit manifested in our lives proves that it's true mm-hmm. lord i'm so grateful that you pursue our hearts and you pursue a relationship with us. And I pray for all of the listeners that are in the audience that are hearing this today. Lord, those that are struggling with grief, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would whisper comfort into their ears. I pray that they would find strength in your word and that they would learn how to apply it and walk in it. You are a good and faithful God, and we love you and we thank you for the work that you're doing in your church around the world. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us today, Joy. Amen. God bless you. God bless
0: If you'd like to learn more about IGM or have any questions about this podcast, feel free to reach out to us at info at and connect with us on Instagram at integrity underscore global and Facebook at Integrity Global Missions. If you like our podcast, please share it and leave a review. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day.